Hello, and welcome to Leather Talk with Mr. Bullet Leather 2020. I'm your host, Brandon. Today's guest kicks off the first episode in what will be a trilogy of title holders representing the legacy that is Sanctuary. He's a current board member of the SoCal Men's Bondage Club, a self-proclaimed service puppy at heart, and a shameless kinky sex worker. Get ready for some more Leather Talk. everybody, this is Brandon, your Mr. Bullet Leather 2020, and today we have Adam. Uh, Adam, would you mind introducing yourself, please? Hi, everybody. My name is Adam Monda. I am a 25-year-old gay leather male. I have been in the leather and fetish community for over 15 years of my life. Oh, wow. That's awesome. I didn't realize how young you were. You were you're actually younger than, than me. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that. Uh, but wow. So you've been in the community for 15 years. It sounds like you got into it kind of young. I, that I did. Yes. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about how that came about? Um, I mean, I'm sure everybody has always started with the fetish or kinky or experimentation phase of a lot of things when they were younger. Mm-hmm. And with me, that was just something that kind of came a little bit easier. It worked out much better. So it was a lot more fun to do. And it just kind of blossomed into me, you know, as a kid, a lot of people, I'm assuming, you know, teenagers and whatnot watch porn and they see a lot of things online and they're like, hmm, that's interesting. I'll have to try that eventually. So I think for me, that's been something that I kind of got put into a little bit earlier on and I, I enjoyed it very much. You know, I enjoyed the fetish porn and I enjoyed a lot of that stuff. So it was very enjoyable to me because a lot of the times, you know, you didn't see that in everyday normality of life, I would say, but it was very enjoyable. How interesting. So your parents probably, did they trust you with a computer in your room or something? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my my parents were divorced, so I kind of bounced around that when I was a kid. You know, I lived with my brother for a short while, and he's older than me. So, you know, I was kind of the one who was the responsible out of the two, I guess, which is funny because me being the younger one, I've always been the more responsible one, but it's kind of just worked out that way in life. But yeah, I, I really do enjoy a lot of it. And, you know, I had a lot of trust with my parents growing up, they were kind of very calm, relaxed, and they weren't like, you know, some parents where you can't even have a phone past eight o'clock. Right? No, my parents were like that. We we couldn't even watch certain movies that were rated PG 13. Sometimes <laughs> and I'm like, Mom, I'm 14. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. I was I was watching Alien when I was when I was that young. So <laughs> it's you know a lot of gory films. I, I guess I could say I've I've watched pretty much the gambit of everything. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, I, I kind of caught something you said earlier. You know, for me, I, I feel like I got into kink as a result of leather. But are you saying that you kind of got into leather as a result of kink? Yeah. So. As far as a lot of it goes, I really did enjoy 
a lot of the, you know, fetish porn. So, you know, a lot of people, some people are into it and some people are not. I like fisting very much. So that's one of my my main fetishes that I very much enjoy. So in watching a lot of that, you know, kind of watching the regular fisting porn and seeing, you know, everything that's out there when, you know, I was younger, which was not much and kind of being exposed to that at a younger age worked out in the sense that, you know, I actively sought out spaces that were kinky or fetish related or newer to me that I wouldn't actually think to Google and look up. Yeah, that's really interesting. So what was the first fisting porn that you saw? Do you remember your reaction? Did it immediately turn you on? Or was it something you had to warm up to? Um, So full disclaimer, it was when I was a lot younger than 15. Um, So I I do want to kind of put that out there. But um, cause I, I just want to kind of guess to give a trigger warning to some people. Um, but for me, it was more of a perplexed of how does that fit in there than anything oh, else. It was like a curiosity. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't something that I like was looking at and like, oh, this is amazing. It was something like I was trying to turn on a TV at a friend's house and I he had like 12 remotes there because he had everything. And I, I grew up with very little, so I didn't really have TV or I didn't get to do a lot. So I started like trying to figure out how to turn the TV on because I just wanted to watch cartoons. And all of a sudden, I just don't know what order I pushed things in the right order, but I pushed things in a certain order that I guess kind of directed me on that path. And all of a sudden, I turned on a fisting porn VCR, Um, you know, not the new DVDs or the new digital downloads that we have today, but it was a VCR. And it was right in the middle of a guy getting fisted. And I was trying to figure out what I was watching. And I was just perplexed at it because I couldn't understand how a guy's hand was going up another guy's ass. And I was like, wait a minute, what? That doesn't, how do you... How does that fit? That doesn't, (laughs) that's not something that's supposed to fit up there, right? And so I kind of delved into it that way, which wasn't a traumatizing thing for me at all. It was, I was like, okay, no big deal. I was more trying to figure out the science behind it than anything, I guess you can say. (laughs) I know, it's true. I I felt the same way. And when just regular sex, when they, when they taught us in, in school, I was like, my friends were like, yeah, man, like, this is what happens. And I'm like, what? No, it doesn't. Like, nothing goes inside of you. That's ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's kind of like that for a lot of people where I've, you know, I've done classes and whatnot, and I've taught this now to other people who are curious and they're, they're, you know, not necessarily sure if it's a safe space to talk about it because some people are very judgmental. And, you know, before all this um, had happened a couple years ago, I was offered to teach a couple classes at Chafee College. And kind of give my input on the, you know, sexual wellness and, and fetishize towards a lot of entertainment of the class. So, you know, I gave the professor, I was like, here's a kind of list of random questions. If, if they have questions, you know, have them email you or if they're not comfortable emailing you, have them send them to me and I'll print out just the questions itself. Or I'll even submit a Google form and they can just type their questions in as much as they want and that'll be it. And I got a lot of good questions out of there. A lot of the students were more amazed at, you know, oh, that I didn't know was 
a fetish. You know, I didn't know that was a fetish. I didn't know this could be a fetish. So it was really enjoyable to kind of like tell them like, you know, you're okay. You're not someone who's a freak. You're not crazy. It's normal. It's not an everyday thing, but it's not abnormal anymore. There's nothing wrong with you if you like it. Right, definitely. And when would you say that you started to feel more comfortable in that for yourself? Or did you always feel comfortable in that? I always felt comfortable, especially with my sexuality. I've always been a more so hypersexual person. So I very much do enjoy having sex. Uh, It's one of my favorite things to do. It's a great stress reliever. It's a great meditation for me. Um, You know, when it's kind of just be with one or 10 other people and have a good time versus just, you know, some people who have sex once a month. And it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, if you do other things to keep a healthy relationship or keep, you know, that communication open, then that's a great thing. I find myself, sex is a great way to keep communication open. That's really awesome. So do you have a partner now? I do not. Okay. So I want to get into that in a little bit, but I I do want to ask you if you have any other fetishes besides fisting. Oh, that's a very long list. I, (laughs) um, so I can tell you what I'm not super into. That's probably a shorter list. Okay. I am not into scat play. That's just not a forte and I don't kink shame anybody. It's just not my, not my circus. And I just kind of leave it at that. Um, and piss play for some, for me, I'm pee shy. So it's kind of really difficult, but that one is just, I guess I have to be in the right mindset with my bladder. That's going to explode before I even do it. Um, so it's just kind of more in a calming state. I guess I would say it's easier, but those are kind of the two that are not necessarily always on my plate. Uh, scat plays one of them and piss plays just one that I'm, I'm very, very pee shy with. Other than that, the gambit of quite literally almost anything else you can think of, I've either had experiences with or done personally from whips to floggers to rope play and also, you know, hook suspensions, cutting, scarification, branding. Um, There's a lot of fetishes that a lot of people don't think that come straight to their mind. But, you know, I guess you can kind of say I flag a lot of hankies per se. Mm hmm. Yeah, you know, I was listening to this sort of list that you're going through, and one kink caught my attention, uh, the hook suspension. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so hook suspension is a really extreme fetish for a lot of people. Basically, what it is, you are suspended by hooks in either your back or in your in your chest, depending on where you're most comfortable getting pierced with that. And it is you you basically are hung up by those hooks. Some people do, you know, six hooks, some people do four, some people can do two. So the the lower you get in the hooks, the more intense the the sensation becomes because it's a very intense and very, I guess, spiritual for a lot of people who do it. It's a very good release for them. Like for me, I enjoy getting whipped and I enjoy whipping as well. But when I get whipped, I get into a very submissive place and I can very easily kind of detach myself from my brain and just let my brain kind of process its own things versus what's going on now in life. So I'm able to kind of get my brain put back in a reordered state 
But when that happens, I'm kind of in a completely opposite space of, I don't know what's going on. I know you're hitting me. I don't know that a lot of this is happening, but it is extremely enjoyable and it is very good that this is happening. But when you come back from that space, you realize what happened and how much kind of, I guess, things you didn't realize that you had that needed to kind of be addressed and adjusted with yourself. It really does help out a lot. And some people might know this as subspace. That's what I've come to learn of it as. Some people call it their happy place. It just depends on what they they prefer it. But it is a space where you are detached from yourself, where you can process a lot of things that normally you wouldn't be able to. Wow, that's really deep. Yeah, I, I definitely think, I mean, me being a sub, I've reached a place like that before. I think if you've heard previous episodes of this podcast, you've probably heard me talk a little bit about it. But that seems like a, a very extreme sense of that headspace to the point where you're getting out of like your physical body. Yeah, and it is it is very enjoyable for some people and for some people it's very scary because they've never done it before and when you bring somebody to that they don't realize how much i guess emotions and trauma and past experiences that they haven't even begun to process start to process out and it is an amazing in my opinion therapy tool especially for me because when i do do it i am a very heavy player i'm been told that i'm built like a tank so, you know, I can, I can take a lot, I can dish out a lot, you know, I'm a, I'm a switch. So I enjoy both ends of that spectrum, but being able to be put in that space and relax and detach myself from problems and issues that are going on in every day is something that I very much do enjoy and like. So let's go back a little bit to your, um, I guess, love life. H- have you had a partner before or a boyfriend or... Nope, I have not. I prefer, I guess you can say, to be single. Like I said earlier, I am very much enjoy sex. That's that's one of my things. So, you know, before all this COVID happened and everything, you know, I, I know it's extremely difficult for a lot of people. And I enjoy the the physical contact with people in general. So I've never had a boyfriend. I in the future, if it happens, it happens. I'm not necessarily looking for one. I'm a very open person. So I don't want them to feel tied down. I don't want to feel tied down because it would make me feel trapped. I see. I see. Yeah. Um, I think that's why, you know, there's a lot of people in open relationships. I myself feel similarly. I was actually just talking with a friend of mine yesterday about monogamy. And I, I have talked to a few people in the leather community who are monogamous. I definitely think it's more of a, I don't want to say a trend, but I've met more people that are in open relationships or polyamorous relationships in the leather community. Would you say that's your experience as well? As far as that goes, I mean, if a lot of the people in the community itself, they're very open. Some people are poly to an extent and some people are monogamous to an extent as well. Some people will say, you know, you can sleep with whoever you want, but as long as you come back to my bed or, you know, our bed at night and we fall asleep, then I'm fine with that. And there are some people who say, you know, you can talk to as many people as you want, flirt with as many people as you want, but if you want to have sex, it needs to be all three of us, not just one on one. So 
I see it in all aspects, especially in the fetish community where a lot of the polyamory comes into it, is that some of these people might be as straight as you would think, you know, and they would never have any sexual situations with a guy or a girl or whomever, however they identify. And they would be more than willing to play with you in a fetish way. And they'd be more than willing to whip you or spank you or vice versa. So it's really nice that a lot of the fetish portion of the community is an extremely open and accepting portion of it. Because a lot of the times, more people in the fetish community understand a lot of the aspects, but people in the leather community understand the history of that. So it's kind of a merging between two worlds. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So I, I want to know a little bit about your first experience coming into a leather bar or a kink space. What was that experience like for you? Oh my gosh, that was a while ago. Um, I, I, it's somewhat vague of an aspect. I don't remember all of it because this was so long ago. It's kind of just I've had more experiences to fill with new memories. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it was going into a kink space and seeing other people who did a lot of other things. They would play with wax. They would play with a violet wand. They would do a vacuum cube. And that's something that I really did enjoy and asked, you know, hey, am I able to try this with you? Is this something that you'd be willing to kind of help me explore? So being in that mindset, being with the like-minded people who are very open and willing to show and educate and, you know, trying fire play for the first time, you know, that was something that was absolutely fun. And it was with an amazing person who's been in the community uh, for a, an extreme amount of time who has unfortunately passed away a couple years ago. And she was extremely kind. She was extremely witty and she was very funny as well too. So it was enjoyable having fun with her, but you know, every time, you know, when I, when I had seen with her, it was extremely fun because she made it an experience where I laughed and that's where I was like thrown by it. I thought I was going to be, you know, crying in pain and it was going to be extremely uncomfortable, but it was very enjoyable to do this fireplace scene with her because she was very informative. She cared. She was trying to, you know, show that it was okay. It wasn't bad. It wasn't something different, but it was very enjoyable. Yeah, I think when we can take down some of those walls of what's okay and what's not okay and let go of some of our inhibitions, um, you know, that really gives you a chance to discover yourself in new ways. Absolutely. And I think that's something that's imperative to some people who don't realize that is there is a lot of things that you can experience that you might be scared of. But once you understand it, once you kind of get the ideological thought process behind it, you realize that it's not something scary. It can be something very enjoyable or very pleasurable. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I was wondering, uh, would you be able to share with us maybe the name of the person who was showing you Fireplay? Oh, yeah, sure. Her name was Braca. She goes in the community by Bunny. Um, she had been in the community for, if I recall, she told me at least 45 years. And, you know, she was an amazing person to be around she was extremely kind and a lot of people in the community who know her you know for from a lot of the women who would go to desire which you know they 
have if they've been to desire they know that it's a play camp you know i'm a lot of them i'm assuming would know bunny and uh because she's such a fun person yet she's so hilarious to be around she was just amazing now this woman bunny sounds a lot like she was very important to you and and maybe somewhat of a role model in your life i'm curious are there any other people in the leather kink world that uh, you really look up to or that you see as role models for yourself? In the leather world, I definitely look up to Mistress Cyan. She is a very good mentor of mine. She's a very good friend of mine as well, too. And she has been in the community for a very long time. And I'm sure a lot of people who listen to this podcast uh, might know her uh, personally. If not, they've met her before. But she is an amazing and very strong and very, very knowledgeable woman. That's awesome. And uh, you know, I know that Mr. Cyan is the the owner of Sanctuary. Um, now, let's talk a little bit more about Sanctuary because you do have the title of Mr. Sanctuary Leather 2018. Now, I do want to know why you wanted to run in the first place for uh, a leather title and specifically the Sanctuary Leather title. And could you also tell us a little bit about the title itself? Because Sanctuary is a community title. Is that correct? Yes, Sanctuary is a community title, and it is a title based around caring, love, and mentorship. Now, some people might not know this, but I've actually held a title before that, and I was the Inland Empire Leather Ambassador for 2017. That was the first title that I ran for and held, and then I decided to run for Sanctuary uh, for 2018 and seeing the contest for 2017 of sanctuary, I said, wow, this is something that I might be able to do. And it might be something very enjoyable for myself. And so when I ran for that, it was something that I wanted to help others with. Now I have an amazing sash wife, cupcake Harrison, and she is just the most funnest yet the most energetic sash wife I think someone could ask for. And I know everyone probably says that about their sash wife, but I, I really do have a lot of love for her because she knew when I wanted to do an event, I did not want to do it for us. I wanted to do it to help others. And that was my goal to help others. And when we did our event, a lot of the times I would tell her like, hey, if we're going to charge $10 at the door, I don't want any of the money. I want it to go to charities. I want it to go to the Elton John Foundation. I want it to go to homeless shelters. I want it to go to here. And she's like, that's great. You know, can we also do this and this and this, you know, food banks and women's shelters? And I said, absolutely, we can. Let's pick three of the best charities that we can that we're able to do and donate money to them. And that was what we were able to do. And I was very happy being able to give them something from our event versus nothing. Because I know with a lot of those charities, every little bit helps, every little bit counts. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's what really struck me when I when I first came in into the scene and, and was watching some of the competitions and stuff like that. All of these events, a lot of them they donate to causes and we have title holders that are doing great charitable works and raising thousands of dollars for these organizations that they believe in. Yes, definitely. So uh, sanctuary, I know 
there are like sanctuary play parties and I've never been to one, but where are those? So the sanctuary play parties are held at sanctuary studios. Um, that's in Lenox. If you don't know where that's at, if you've ever been to LAX, it's quite literally across the street from LAX pretty much. So it's extremely close to it. It is a beautiful dungeon space that has a vast majority of playrooms and it is a very enjoyable thing to go to a play party. Now, every play party is different themed. Every play party has specific requirements, whether you're going to a specific party that's hosted by somebody else, or if you're going to communion and it's their party that they're hosting at sanctuary, then, you know, you might know what you're going for. Den LA would be another one. Um, gentleman in charge would be more of the fetish side of that. So a lot of these things they're done, they're done for the people in the community to come together and have a safe space to play. Now, mind you, I will tell you there are other dungeons in LA as well, too. I do not knock any of the other dungeons in LA. Um, I am just very happy with Sanctuary, and I consider that my home. So how often do they have these events? I mean, well, right now, I guess there's none because of the COVID, but, um, you know, in, in the past, how often do they have events there? Uh, so pretty much the calendar for Sanctuary is booked up about a year in advance. And that's all through the week. So it's every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, there's always something going on. There, you know, there's always something that's enjoyable, entertaining that you might be able to to go to, or it might be a private class, or it might be closed for a Sunday because they're going to do a full studio shoot in that building with, you know, Netflix specials and whatnot. And a lot of the entertaining portion of that is shown back to the people who go there. So it is a lot of the people who are there as a regular basis, they see how much it shows their enjoyment towards it. So they know that they can go there if they want to go to, you know, X, Y, and Z party, they know that that'll be on the third Friday of every month, no matter what. They know if they want to go to X, Y, and Z party, they know that that might be on the fourth Saturday of every month. And they know that that's there, so they should be happy with it. So a lot of it is something very enjoyable, but it's also a space for them to go and say, hey, this is great that I can go and enjoy myself here and do what I want to do and be in a safe space to do it. So when did you first discover Sanctuary? Was it because of the title that you you discovered it, or did you happen upon it before? So it happened on it before. I had a friend who I used to help with an event setup, an event cleanup at, a, at another space. And that person who was there should, you know, let me know, hey, you know, there's also this other one in LA and it's this humongous space compared to what we were in. She would explain it that way and say, yeah, they do all this stuff here. It's all this amazing. It's great. It's da 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 da. And I'm like, great, you know, I love to go down there sometime. And then she said, oh, it's all the way over by LAX. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a drive for me. I said, okay, that's no big deal. So we'll get into that. And you know, she's like, well, do you want to go with me one of these days? And I'm like, sure, I don't see why not. I guess we can. And we did. We ended up going there. And it was 
a very enjoyable time. It was just a regular kind of mixer play party. And she kind of went off and did her thing. I kind of was there just watching, observing, kind of taking in the the vibe. And I was very comfortable. And then after that, I kind of was like, oh, cool. You know, I guess I'll go for another event. And then I found out that there were other parties that were there. There were other you know, sex parties that were there. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Let me go and see what that's about. So (laughs) I went there for that. And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. There's a room full of 250 guys. This is shit. This is fun. So, (laughs) you know, something like that, where I was very enjoyable towards it. Going from there, I would end up coming back and, you know, saying, you know, I really do like the space. I like what they stand for. I like how they care about people who are there. They're not just dismissive or they're not like you're, you can't sit with us. It was very of where it's an open table. There's a seat for you here. And that was really enjoyable to see. And it was extremely fun for a lot of the people there. Now I will say this in deciding that I kept wanting to go back. I said, maybe I should run for this leather title because I feel that sanctuary for me being here for, you know, the majority of the year for a lot of parties, this helped me learn and grow because I didn't just start going to parties. I started getting into the dungeon monitor side of things where I wanted to help out other people. I wanted to help them understand, you know, this is how you be safe. This is how you learn. This is how you properly make sure you still help people. So that was something that I enjoyed. And going in from that saying, you know, wow, I've, I helped a lot of people. I've helped them understand and know how well this space cares about the patrons in it, as well as how much time and energy they put into teaching the dungeon monitors, we call them DMs, who are there about the space and how much effort they put into that versus just saying, oh, just yell at somebody and say, no, it's, you know, you don't do that. You politely try and get their attention as nonverbal as possible. And you kind of bring them aside and say, hey, we don't allow this, you know, please can you correct that? We would appreciate that. And, you know, you, you very respectful and calm with them. So going in from that, it was an amazing time for me. I enjoyed it. And then I said to myself, you know, I really want to run for this title after I had seen my sash dad, Romaldo run. Um, some of you guys might know him as Leatherboy Raz. Um, you know, he ran for Mr. Sanctuary 2017 and he did an amazing job. He, was very caring, he was very loving, and he helped me through a lot of the stuff. So it sounds like a lot of your motivation is about helping people. Why would you say that it's so important for you to help people with their kink or their sex lives? So I have always been a service boy slash pup at heart, and I always believe in helping others as much as possible and being able to help others as much as I could. So this was something that I saw and said, you know, I would really love to do this with other people. I would really love to be able to help all these people. And that's what I did. So I'm getting the sense that this mission was sort of your platform for running for Mr. Sanctuary? Yes. So once you got the title, what did that mean for you? Did that change anything? Or was it now just sort of like a a validation to what you were already doing? 
I won't say it changed anything at all. It gave me the platform to help more. Mm. And that's what I think a lot of people don't necessarily see with the leather title system. They see that you might win a title and that'll be it. And then they'll say, oh, well, I guess that's it. And I'm not going to do anything else this year. But I believe it as it should be a platform for you to help people. You should always have fun no matter what anybody tells you. You should always be having fun with it. And if it's to the point where you're not having fun, you might have to really think about, you know, is this right for me? Is this something that is good for me? And in that mindset, I think that a lot of the things a lot of people put together they realize that, you know, I might want to run for a title because I want to do better. Mm -hmm. And it pushes them to do better. Yeah, it's really, it's really interesting talking to to different title holders, because it, I mean, I think we all end up having similar experiences, you know, finding that we have a platform now that we can help people with or, or, or do something with. At the same time, I think it's really interesting that a lot of people get into leather title contests, the contest itself, for completely different reasons sometimes. But it sounds like this was just kind of like your next step to help more people and and further the mission of what you've already kind of had in your heart. Absolutely. And that's something that I pride myself on is helping others. Being able to offer my assistance to others and being able to help others is something I very much do care about. So, and you don't have to go into this if you don't want to, but I'm curious now, what, what do you do for work? Or is this your work? Um, so I do fetish videography and photography, as well as I do IT work. So I work with a couple of distribution centers, and I am able to help those distribution centers manage, you know, their infrastructure and their network. I'm also a service person at heart, too. Okay. Awesome. So I'm curious, and and, you know, it's the one regret that I have before this whole COVID-19 thing. And I guess I could only have done so many things the last couple of years, but I'd never been to sanctuary and have never been to like a sex party or a play party with like 200 men. And one of the first things I'm going to do as soon as there's a vaccine, (laughs) going out there and, and going to a play party uh, but could you maybe go into maybe one of your, your hottest encounters at Sanctuary or a sex party and maybe just talk a little bit about that and your experience with that? I mean, I, I so I'll forewarn you right now where I have been, I would say, in the industry per se, um, in the sex and the the porn industry side of things for quite some time now. So a lot of it is very much disassociated myself of like, you know, yes, I know that's hot and I enjoy it, but it's like kind of, oh, I see this all the time though. So it's kind of getting somewhat to the point where you're like, this is great. I enjoy it, but I see this all the time, but I still like it. So I don't want anyone to think that, you know, me watching two guys fucking And seeing them go at it, you know, is not something that I enjoy. I very much do enjoy watching everything. I enjoy participating in it as well, too. But for me to kind of tell you the most hottest thing, I really couldn't tell you because all of it I find is enjoyable. I don't put one experience over the other. There isn't that, you know, dick that's 
that amazing dick that you'll never find again and you'll only get to play with one time in your life. And if you don't play with it, you'll regret it the rest of your life. I don't look at it that way. I look at it as it's all fun. It's all enjoyable. Let's have a good time. You know, it's so interesting that you say that because I don't think I've ever heard that concept described that way before. And to like not regret, you know, like you said, like, I'm never going to play with this dick again. <laughs> uh, like they're, they're all different experiences. Absolutely. And I don't think people understand that that much, where they don't realize that if they play with one person, and they're just playing with that one person, they might not realize that, hey, this person might only play at parties. They don't play one-on-one. It's not their forte to play one-on-one. They don't like that. They like being in a public space. And I think Sanctuary gives people the opportunity to go to a safe space that is semi-public to the people whom are there for their events, being able to play in a space where they know nothing per se bad could happen to them. Absolutely. So I'm definitely going to check the, the Sanctuary events out. Uh, what would you say is Sanctuaries, like for a newbie, someone just coming in, coming into the scene, never been to a sex party before, what would be your go-to event to recommend to that person who is maybe a little bit shy and not quite sure, but they're curious? So it depends. If you are just going there for a sex party and you just want to go there for a sex party and that's it, I would definitely recommend Communion or Dan LA. There are some other specific parties that are private events that are there and you would have to be on their membership list in order to get an invite for them. Okay. But I would definitely recommend Communion or Dan LA. I first went to Communion and I thought it was an amazing space and it was fun and entertaining. It was very enjoyable to see a lot of hot guys walk around with their dicks just flopping around. And I'm just going, oh, that's so pretty. Oh, that's even prettier. Oh, that's the best. Oh, that's really (laughs) thick. Oh, you have a nice round butt. Like, can I just eat it out? It's really pretty. And yeah, sure. Oh, thank God. Oh, this is filled with cum. This is delicious. You know, so it's just, (laughs) you know, kind of to each their own. But I, for a lot of people who've never been and they they are kind of perplexed, I would say communion is a really good starting point for them if they wanted to go to a sex party. Now, if they kind of want to go to more of a dance slash sex party, I would recommend Dan LA. Okay. So is that like EDM music and house music and stuff? Yeah, it's, I mean, it is that music, but a lot of people, they enjoy the music while they're getting their hole pounded or they're fucking some little Twinkie boy. My God. Okay, I'm going to Sanctuary from now on. (laughs) (laughs) You got me horned up. (laughs) All right, so let's go into, let's go back to your competition. Because like a good millennial, I was Facebook stalking you right before this interview. And I couldn't help but notice this gorgeous, beautiful, fabulous red corset that you're wearing on stage. And I have to ask, was that part of your look or one of your looks for the competition? Yes. So I had two corsets on the stage for Mr. Los Angeles Leather. And one of them was a full black overbust corset. One of them was a, uh, well, the first one was a full black leather overbust corset, which smelt as good as it looked. (laughs) And 
the other was a red and black canvas corset underbust. And they were both from my amazing Sash Wife's um, company that she's partnered with, Laced Up Corsets. And she said, you know, hey, what can I help you with? What can I what can I do for you? And I said, you know, hey, I really want to get a couple corsets. What can you do? You know, I don't know if you're going to have one that's going to fit me. And she looked at me, she says, shut the hell up. I got ones that'll fit you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, thank you. I love you. And she's like, it's okay. I got you. Don't worry about it. I, I would never make you feel uncomfortable. And I'm like, I love you. And she, you know, she, she's such an amazing person. I, I really do love my sash wife still to this day, no matter what anyone says. <laughs> so on stage, you know, I was the, the first one to ask her before I got on stage, I said, you know, I really want a black and red corset. I know everybody's got the standard black corset. I know everyone's got the standard red corset, but I want a black and red corset. I want it, you know, patterned like that. And she says, I don't even know if we could do that. She says, but I'm sure they can because they stitch everything by hand. So it should be done. It should be doable. I said, yeah, let me know because I'll pay for it. I'd be more than happy to get it. And she says, sure. So she reached out to her vendor and the vendor said, yeah, we can do that. That's not a problem. And she said, great. I want it in this size. Send me two, one that's in a smaller size so she can have that demoed for an assortment of people. And one that was for me in my size and I went and picked it up and it fit perfectly. And ever since then, I was the first one to, to ask her if we could do that. She sold a ton of those versions of corsets that were multicolored. And I, I told her, I said, it was something that I wanted and I didn't even know that that was going to help you in, in the long run. It was great that it, it did help her out and it was very enjoyable for a lot of that. You did see you know, the joy, the happiness, the, you know, I'm going to show you my sexy ass body on stage. And I don't give two shits what you think. I'm doing this for me. I'm not doing it for all of you in the audience. I'm doing it for myself. I'm doing it because I want to better myself and I want to have a fun time with it. And I'm doing this with my brothers. I think that's really empowering what you say. And the reason why the, the corset struck me is because when I was running for my competition, I heard from many voices that I had to have certain things or wear certain gear, or make sure you wear this type of jock and not that type of jock. And you have to have these boots or that those boots. And seeing you on stage in a corset was kind of like a, and maybe you didn't, maybe you didn't mean it this way. Maybe you did. Um, kind of like a fuck you to all of that. Unapologetic, I would say. Definitely with that, I, I would say it was very unapologetic where I did not care what other people thought of me. I still don't care what other people think of me. If they love me or hate me, that's their opinion and they're entitled to that. I can't do anything to take it away from them. But I am me. And if you don't like my somewhat androgyny self of going out in a corset and heels and a jock strap saying, you know, look at me and I am happy with my body and proud to be in my skin because the other side of that is you know i have dealt with major depression i have dealt with suicide attempts you know i've dealt with a lot of things in my life personally and this is something that i did and i said you know fuck it i'm doing this for me i want to be somebody who who cares about myself first i put a lot of effort into caring for other people and, you know, realizing that I'm not putting enough in for myself. I'm giving every penny I have in the bucket to everybody else, but I'm not saving any for me. 
and realizing that I have to care for myself as well too. Self-care is important and being able to drive myself to say, fuck it, I'm going to have fun with this and doing that. And that's what I did. And that's what I enjoy so much to do. That's really awesome that that you say that a self-care a lot of times, you know, um, especially people that are like used to giving a lot to others forget to take care of themselves. And that can become draining. You can only do that for so long. Absolutely. So on the topic of self-care, I do remember what I wanted to ask you earlier about the sex parties is it's become sort of a political thing, whether or not to use a condom. And I went to a smaller sex party before the whole COVID thing. And I felt a little bit pressured to not use a condom, even though that's what I went there full intending to do is to use condoms with people I've never met before. No, it's totally understandable. And everybody has their preference. I'm not going to say to anybody who's listening, don't wear a condom. It's not smart of you. I tell everybody to use their best judgment. I am somebody who is a treatment as prevention. I'm on prep. I get checked every month. I am very, very safe with the people whom I play with. I ask questions as far as history goes. I very rarely will hook up with somebody who is just like, hey, hey, what's up? Not much. Horny. Looking? Sure. Come over. Here's my address. Dick pic. Boom, boom, boom. Cool. I'm on the way. Gonna fuck you and drop and leave a load. And then I'm gonna head out. Okay. It's, you know, everybody is to each their own. Some people love that. Some people are like, oh, no, I need to know the person. I need to go out for coffee before I do this. I am of the mindset of if you play safe and if you get tested regularly, then you're fine. You know, it's a fact of the matter that a lot of people who do spread a lot of things are ones who say, oh, I'll wear a condom, I'll wear a condom. And then all of a sudden it gets down to it and they don't wear a condom. And they say, oh, this never happens. I always wear one, but I didn't with you. And what I tell people to realize is how many other people do you think that that one guy has said that to? Right. How many other people do you think that one straight guy has said that to? How many other partners do you think that he's slept with that might have something, but he says, oh, I always wear one, but I just, you know, I I don't want it with you because I really do care about you and I want to feel you or whatnot. And I tell people in practicality, that's one of the most dangerous, statistically speaking, of persons that you could play with because they might going around thinking that, oh, well, I'm fine. You know, they don't, they always play with a condom, so I don't have to worry about myself. And there's, you know, you put the fault on the other person of saying, well, I got it from them. Well, how do you know you got it from them unless you're a responsible adult and you go back to your sex partners and you say, hey, I got it from this person. You might want to get tested, just letting you know preemptively and letting you know that. How many times in in reality, if you got that message from somebody who might be a, um, a really good fuck, and then all of a sudden they say, hey, you know, I got chlamydia, you might want to get checked. Would you really want to play with them again? And it puts that mindset towards them. So I am always the, I'm a treatment as, as a prevention kind of person. In my, my personal life, I do not use condoms. That is my personal preference. That is me. If you want to fuck me and you say, hey, you know, I'd like to wear a condom, I'm like, 
okay, here's my information. This is when I was last tested. I would like to not use a condom, but if you're insistent on using one and if you want to use one, that's fine. I'm not going to be of like a, no, don't. I, I want your, your, I want to get pregnant by you. I'm never of that mindset. I'm just like, a, you know, if they're comfortable with it and I'm comfortable with it, I know my status. And, and if they know their status when they were last tested, I'm fine with it. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, I, I think, um, I don't know, there has been just like strong opinions about condoms in like the last, I would say five years. Because <laughs> I remember hooking up, you know, on on Grindr when I like first came of age and discovered that and condoms were never like, a, like a, they weren't even a discussion. At either you had a condom or you didn't have a condom, you know, and like, if you didn't have a condom, like we needed your test results. But like, I remember just pulling out condoms, putting them on me or my partner, whoever I met on Grinder, and there was like not even a wince. But you know, one time I was at a an event, I would say at a certain bar, and there was like all these men, and you know, everyone was starting to get a little heavy, and um, like I pulled out a condom, I was making out with this guy, and he like looked at me, he's like, "That's surprising," and then he like walked away, and I was like, "Oh, rejected!" <laughs> like. It's like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> and I, people feel a lot more strongly now that there's PrEP out there to like be adamant about not using a condom. And I am on PrEP myself because of the same reason that you were describing of the, uh, oh, I, I, I do have times where I'm not using condoms with certain partners. So of course I want to be preventative. Absolutely. But it's just, it's just interesting to see like that change over the years, that mindset. Absolutely. And I think for myself, you know, working in the industry of the sex side of it, I'm aware, you know, when you watch a lot of porns online, you people don't realize that that's a fantasy. That's a fantasy for you to get off to, for you to come back, for you to, I guess the taboo thing for for some people they don't realize is to pay for porn because that's what it's there for. It's content that you take, you should be paying for it. So people don't realize that those actors go and get tested the day before and this is what they do they get tested they get a full panel done you know two or three days before and they have no partners between then and the day that they're supposed to be shooting and then after they do that great you know they've done their talent testing so they are good to go and they show their results and they know that they're cleared and then they can play and they don't have to worry about it. But there are some people who are insistent on, you know, the more so scripted scenes or the more so conservative studios are ones who say, yeah, we have to wear condoms. There's been a major shift in the industry from studios who, let's say four years ago, never filmed or once in every maybe 40 movies and they would produce 40 movies a month they would say this one is going to be the one that will be back versus all other 39 are going to be with condoms that's just what we do and the ones that are going to be bareback aren't going to be released uh, uh yet they're going to be held and they'll be released as a special you know edition or a specific viewing for those people and then, you know, you see prep come into the limelight and you see how it's so much better and, and how it so much helps all these other people. And then all of a sudden you realize that, oh, a lot of these studios are now switching to the bareback porn. And a lot of people on, you know, independent film workers 
myself included, have been on the gambit. You know, I'm on Just for Fans, and that's a platform that I really believe in and I really care for. And I know there are other platforms out there, but they don't treat their models as as caring as Just for Fans does, in my opinion. Everybody is entitled to their own again. I just know that I've had friends and I've had experiences who've been on other platforms and then, you know, all of a sudden they put, you know, five or 10 videos up and then they get a net income of a thousand dollars. And then all of a sudden OnlyFans says, oh, well, we're not actually going to pay you because of X, Y, and Z reason. And you get them all that information and then they still don't pay you. And it's just, you're at mercy for them. Wow. Versus other platforms that I've been on, like Just for Fans, I've never had any issue with this. I keep records of everything that I do. I make sure to be attentive. I make sure to care. And it's a platform that puts care back into me where I say, hey, you know, this might not be working right. Let me look into it. You know, the owner will tell you, let me look into it. And then all of a sudden, the owner's like, oh, my gosh, it wasn't working right. Thank you for letting me know. Fixed it. Appreciate that. So it's the kind of feedback that you get from it where... Some people are of the mindset of, you know, I've never met this person before. I don't trust them, but I'm really horny. And, you know, I'll see if I invite them over. And then all of a sudden it's a, yeah, I'll invite you over. And then all of a sudden it's the, hey, you know, do you have condoms? No, I don't. You know, when were you last tested? You know, I was tested this time and everything came back negative. What about yourself? You know, okay, great, you know, you've been tested, you know, a week ago, you know, about how many partners do you think you've had by then? Have they had any issues? No, great, cool. Be responsible. You know, you have to be responsible about it. I always kind of tell people, you can't trust anybody else with your health besides you. And you have to be the one who is responsible ultimately. Because if you make that active decision to play with somebody who you might not know their test results, then all of a sudden you play with them and they're like, whoops, didn't know that. Sorry. Then you're shit out of luck. Right. You, you're you responsible for your own health. Yeah. And I always am of the mindset to make sure people understand that. Where, yes, prep is an amazing tool to help people, but it only stops one thing. There is a n- multiple number of things that uh, that it does not stop. And people don't realize that, you know, they kind of just have the mindset of, it's okay, I'm on prep. And that's not necessarily a good mindset to have. You know, it's great, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, because <laughs> it, it, it is a little irresponsible to just kind of like go out there and just be like, well, I'm just going to fuck everything without any remorse yeah with no remorse and not to say that that's even necessarily a bad thing but if you walk around town like that without any precautions or or getting tested you could be spreading chlamydia herpes gonorrhea all these other things if you're not taking care of yourself yes and that's what i think a lot of people don't get that it's not just hiv that you might be spreading but there's a whole other ton of things that you could also be exposing yourself to and exposing others to unknowingly Right. I noticed you mentioned that you have a Just for Fans. Can you talk a little bit about what you do on Just for Fans? Sure. So on my Just for Fans, I have done videos from me fucking to solos to toys to sex parties 
to me getting fucked, to me fisting and me sticking quite literally a little stuffed piggy inside another piggy's hole. And it's pretty interesting and fun. That's awesome. And uh, where can we find you on that? Um, so the easiest way to find me with any any platform that I'm on is actually my website is MrArchangelXXX.com. And that list every site that I'm on and it lists how to get in touch with me, how to email me, how to see my Twitter, which shows you a lot of naked pictures and a lot of sex videos and a lot of fun, interesting things that you might not know. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of where everything is at right now. Awesome. And uh, before we wrap up, are there any ways that we can reach out to you? Are you a part of any organizations that uh, you want to tell us about? And how can we be a part of that? Sure. So I am currently the president of SoCal Men's Bondage Club. That is a bondage club for built on safe, sane, and consensual and risk-aware consensual kink. That is the second oldest men's bondage club in Los Angeles. And we are based out of... LA in general. Um, we kind of bounce between two different dungeons. One is Threshold in North Hollywood, and one is Sanctuary Studios, LAX. So right now, unfortunately, if you're listening to this uh, in the future, I'm sure we're open, hopefully, um, or we're having our events soon. But currently, as of now, in May of 2020, we are we are not having any events due to social distancing and, and proper quarantine protocols put in place. Awesome. Awesome. So I will make sure to put links to those in the description below. Before we go, is there any last statements you'd like to make for our audience? I would just like to say for the audience that's listening, take five minutes out of your day and just breathe. You know, everybody has stressful times, stressful situations. Take five minutes out and relax. Take five minutes to decompress, to kind of unwind by yourself and just kind of organize your thoughts. A lot of people forget that. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, decompressing in that sort of way kind of helps in a long run versus bottling it up and just kind of saving it there until you explode in anger or frustration. So definitely take some time and, you know, take time for yourself and breathe and think to yourself and be calm to yourself. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. And can't wait to uh, hear your podcast and hopefully you can make it to the Leather Talk party and we'll see you soon over Zoom, if not in person. Yes, definitely. I hope you have a fantastic time and I hope you very much enjoy the rest of your day as well as all of the other listeners. Awesome. Thanks. Before we go, I'd like to remind all of you that in the midst of COVID-19, there are several organizations in the Los Angeles leather community that are here to help. The LELC Cares, Bullet Bar Pantry, and the LA Leather COVID-19 Assist. If you or anyone you know is in need of assistance, please reach out. I will have links in the description below. As always, you can find me on Instagram and Patreon as Leather Talk Mr. Bullet and Facebook as Brandon Bullet. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay kinky. Okay.